Well, good morning, Springbrook. Welcome to the house of the Lord for worship. We are so delighted that you are with us today on this third week of Advent. If you haven't been with us the last couple weeks, we are journeying through the season of Advent. It's a season of waiting and anticipation for the coming of the Christ child, the Messiah, our King, God with us. As we go through the season, we're lighting another candle on the wreath each week. The light gets brighter and brighter as we get closer to the coming of our King. And then on Christmas Eve, we will light that center candle, the Christ candle. In just a little while, we'll be lighting the shepherd's candle today. And with the shepherds, we remember the joy that they had in proclaiming the birth of the King. And so our call to worship for today is from Psalm 98. And I'd love to invite you to stand now, if you are able, in body or in spirit, for our call to worship. Psalm 98 says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let's lift our voices in worship this morning. Thank you. 
You may be seated. The light of the world came once, comes now, and is coming again. Today, on the third Sunday of Advent, we will light the shepherd's candle. The very first people God chose to hear the news about Christ's birth were the poor, lowly shepherds. People who would have been looked down upon by society were the very ones to whom the Lord first revealed this great news of the arrival of a Savior. We read about this announcement in the Gospel according to Luke. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold... I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen and heard, as it has been told to them. And this is the word of the Lord, absolutely true and given to us in love. Thanks be to God.
together in prayer. Father, once again, we come before you and we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that in Jesus, we have no reason left to fear. Your word says that true love, perfect love casts out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who still fears hasn't been made perfect in love. We don't have to fear punishment anymore. We don't have to fear judgment. We don't have to fear being separated from you, being far from the lover of our soul. We don't have to fear anything anymore because of Jesus. I thank you for the example we see in the shepherds who heard this word about you and immediately went out to find out if it was true. And after they saw him, they went away and told everyone. These are people who were rejected, who were dirty, who were cast out. Maybe some of us feel rejected or cast out today. You chose them that night you chose them and you choose us too and so I pray for each heart in this room for those who are worshiping online from wherever you have them today I pray that that truth that they have been chosen by you would settle deep into their hearts because you live differently when you know you are chosen and loved by the God of the universe who sent his son, Jesus, to be God with us so that we would have nothing left to fear. 
Father, we love you. As we open your word this morning, will you give us clear sight to see? Open our ears so that we can hear in our hearts, in our minds, that we could receive something from you this morning. You are in the business of transforming lives and you are doing that work in us today. Help us to be wide awake, to see the ways you are moving. All of this is for you and for your glory. We pray this in the power of your spirit in us and in the name of Jesus Christ, our King. Amen. Thank you for your help with that, Kyle. <laughs> I need the podium because I use my hands a lot, <laughs> but it creates a little bit of transition issues. And we are so glad that you are uh, with us this morning. And I am genuinely glad when I say that uh, it is good to be with you. There are so many things uh, that can disrupt our time together that whenever we can stop and get together like this, it's a treat. You know, my kids and our family got together over Thanksgiving. We were all together, and then they break, and everybody kind of goes their different ways. But there's something about when we come together that is really special. And so uh, we are so glad that you are uh, with us today. If you are watching with us online, we're glad that you are with us as well. I want to encourage you. Uh, there's online hosts there. Uh, if you uh, need somebody to pray with you, you want to say hi, you have any questions, our online hosts are available uh, to be with you there, and there's a place for you to fill out that online connection card, and so we're glad that you're watching with us online as well. If you're in person, uh, we're glad that you're here. You've got that connection card that's in your chair uh, there next to you, and so we would uh, just appreciate that. If you could put your first and last name on there, the names of any adults that are with you this morning, uh, we'd just uh, love to know that you were with us. There's a place for you to share your prayer requests that you have down at the bottom. If you've got any questions about our ministry, uh, there's a place for you to share that in the back, and then also on the back, there's a place for you to share um, any uh, prayer requests that you would have. And so I also just wanted to take this time. October was Pastor Appreciation Month, and trying to get all of our pastors together is kind of like herding cats. And so uh, our, our elder board presented us with our pastor appreciation gifts uh, last week. And so I just wanted to take a moment to thank you for that. It was, it's funny because we were talking amongst ourselves. It's like, well, this is December. So we, you know, at this point, do you say anything? It's like, yeah, I think we say something. Because uh, I really appreciated the notes uh, uh, that you uh, left for us. I know our pastoral staff just feel loved. Our staff feels loved. Uh, we are a part of a great church, and it is a privilege for us to be able to get to, to serve you. And so we did want to just take a moment to uh, thank you for thinking about us uh, last October. And so, uh, but thank you for that. And I also wanted to give you a quick update on our year-end offering. We have a year-end offering goal this year of $25,000. 
It's to enable us to be effective at ministry next year. We've got some initiatives that we're looking specifically at some uh, moving into next year. And so if you want to know more information about our year-end offering, I would encourage you um, to uh, go to springbrook.org slash year-end. You can find that on our website, on our app. Uh, But I would encourage you to check that out. Our goal was $25,000, and uh, as our elder board was meeting, and we just finalized our budget for next year as well, and so we were kind of seeking God together for what we would have. We're stepping out in faith, and uh, just as an answer to prayer, we had somebody um, last weekend, uh, just a dear family that uh, wanted to uh, uh, come in and match the goal for our year-end offering. And so our year-end offering goal has been met, and our elder board and our, uh, got together, and it was just it was a huge answer to prayer. So part of that is, I know it is, it's huge. <laughs> And so part of that dynamic was this way, do you put it into the earned offering and then celebrate it and then we're done and everybody thinks we're done, but the conversations kind of developed a little bit more. It's like, you know, God's just kind of leading me to give beyond that. And so I just want to be able to encourage our congregation to be able to be a part of that because it's not about the size of the gift, but it's about honoring God in our, in our finances and about putting God first and about being a part of what he has for us as a ministry together. And whether it's a dollar, five dollars or a matching grant, it doesn't matter what the amount is. God wants our heart. And so we get an opportunity to be a part of what he's doing as we step into 2022. And I am so excited about next year. I'm serious. It's going to be a a great year. But our vision of of establishing people in a relationship with Christ, reaching our community for Christ and making disciples is what undergirds and guides this ministry as we seek to bring him glory. You know, last week, two weeks ago, I had an opportunity to pray with a man named Ryan. He gave his life to Christ. He committed his life to Christ and the angels in heaven rejoiced. You know, we have a baptism service coming up. Uh, next weekend, we're going to celebrate a baptism. You know, God is stirring in the, in the life of a, a gentleman that wants to identify with Christ in that way. And, and that's what our ministry is about. It's about helping people understand how to have a relationship with Christ and, and growing in their faith. I've gotten feedback from several uh, members uh, in small groups uh, this past several weeks, just hearing about what God's doing in and through their small groups, their ministries. And it, it's just so encouraging to hear stories about where God is at work. We're a part of a movement of churches that's being seriously about reaching their communities for Christ, and we're planting churches in our region, in our nation, and around the globe, and we get to be a part of that. And so I am just so grateful for the opportunity that, that you've given us to be a part of what he's, he's doing in and through this ministry, just through your stewardship, through your prayers, and through your support, and through your serving. We get to be a part of God's plan for reaching a lost world. You know, this past week, we had an opportunity to, uh, to support uh, several of our churches uh, down in uh, the southern part of Illinois. You know, many of you have heard about the tornado went through. I grew up in Oklahoma. It was Tornado Alley where I grew up. And so I've been through this, and it is, it is terrible. There's, there's things, there's events that happen in our lives, and the rest of the world just kind of seems to move on. But it takes years to recover from something like this. And so as a part of our ministry, we support nationwide chaplains. And immediately after that tornado hit, we're serving our first responders and getting to our community. We, we mobilize chaplains to get down there to work with families that have lost loved ones to support and encourage our first responders down there. And so we've had a team that's been on site, at least in Edwardsville, working with that Amazon facility right now. And they're still down there today. And so we have to be a part of that ministry. It's an extension of what God's doing in and through our ministry at Springbrook. And then we're a part of Converge Worldwide. We're a part of Convergement America. And right after that happened, I called uh, two pastors that are down in that area that are part of our conference. One of them is five minutes from Edwardsville. And I said, hey, we've got some chaplains down there. We've got some resources. We're praying for you. Is there something we can do? And so as a movement of churches, we're reaching that community together for Christ. We're sharing the love of God in a place that right now is hurting, where there's been loss. And, and we get to be a part of that. And so when we talk about domestic missions, when we talk about serving our community, we talk about serving our nation, these are the kind of things that just absolutely get me excited. 
I love it when somebody makes a faith commitment. I love it when somebody gets baptized. I love it when we birth a small group. And it's so exciting to see the way that people use their spiritual gifts to build up the body of Christ so that we can be an effective witness in our community. And that's what our vision is about. And that's what we're praying for as we move into the next year, that God will continue to grow us in our effectiveness in that area of reaching and building passionate followers. You know, we're going to be kicking off a new series in January. It's called Encounter 2022. And it's my prayer as we move into the next year that everyone at Springbrook, everyone that's either watching online, connected about to Springbrook, and has ever heard of our church, will be a part of a movement as we move into the next year of experiencing the power and presence of a genuine relationship with Christ. And so we had an opportunity to talk with this about our leadership team several months ago. We've got some information on our website. You can go to springbrook.org slash pathway. Yeah, we've got materials out in the lobby. And so as we move into the next, uh, next year, we're praying that God would just continue to pour his spirit out on our, con- on our congregation and in our world. And it seems kind of awkward to be talking about 2022, right? I mean, how many of us are just trying to get through this year? <laughs> Okay, I got my Christmas gifts. Oh, would you leave me alone? It's 2022. That's next year. We don't have to worry about that. It seems kind of soon to be talking about next year, but it's coming, isn't it? 2022 is coming, I'm telling you. So we just want to get, we want to be, we want to be ready for it. You know, we're coming into uh, the 12 days of Christmas. It's funny because I found a post I shared online back in August. It just turned into August. I was like, wow, we're in August. We're in August. It's August already. September's practically next week. Time to pick up a Halloween costume, start your Christmas shopping. Happy New Year, everybody. (laughs) Can you relate to that? Sometimes it's like, man, can we just slow down? We've got 12 days till Christmas. Keep calm. There's a little thing that keep, pops up. 12 days of Christmas, 11 days of Christmas. Anybody caught up in the, I don't, I, I'm, I'm just so grateful my kids were growing up before that Elf on the Shelf thing started because it's like, oh, I don't even have to worry about where Elf is. You know, we count down in anticipation and we work towards these events and then they get here. And it's like, oh, they're here and we celebrate and then they're gone the next day. It's like, well, that went fast, didn't it? I'm going to warn you right now. There are people out there the next day that will be saying, it's only six, two or three or 65 days till Christmas. There's people that will count down. I got news for you. Right now, there's, there's 386 days till the next Christmas. So let's just get that out of the way. There's always something coming, isn't there? I mean, we, we build these things up and we anticipate things. And sometimes I think we just make it worse on ourselves. You know, before you know it, it's going to be here. It's going to be gone. You know, I look back on my life now and how fast our kids have grown, and it just seems like there's just always something to look forward to, something that we've always been through. If you've been through it, you're in it, or you're going, going into it. So there's, there's always something. And so we want to stop for a while in our series. We're going to be looking at what it, you know, the light of the world. We're looking at who Jesus is as we move into this Christmas, and we want to, we want to keep him as the focal point, and, and not just so that we can get distracted, but that's ultimately where our peace comes from. And so when you think about how we're moving through life and how we're encouraging one another, it all revolves around who we are in Christ. And so he is the central figure in Christmas, and it seems kind of awkward, but we have to be really intentional to encourage each other, remind each other of why it is we do what we do. You know, why are we doing these things? It is important that we keep Christ in the center of Christmas, and we have to be intentional about that. And so this series, Light of the World, is to help us to focus on who he is and what he has for us and what his plans are for us. And so we're in John chapter 1. We're looking at the first 18 verses of John uh, chapter 1. We looked uh, last week at uh, verses 1 through 5. And verses 1 through 5 of John kind of set the foundation for who he is and how we have a relationship with him. 
You know, Jesus is the light. Jesus was with God. Jesus was God. And the word became flesh. And we celebrated the reality of knowing that Jesus is God. And so as a result of that, we, we can have security when we place our faith in him. He's the one that's in control. He is sovereign over all things. And it's important that that be the foundation of our faith because everything else builds on that. Because if Jesus is not God, then everything that we're doing is for naught. Paul says, worse than that, we're deceiving people and misleading them if he's not the Christ. And so it's important that we understand who Jesus is. He is the light of the world. Today we're looking at verses 6 through 13, and we're, we're looking at what it means to be a child of God. And so we understand who Jesus is. How do we have a relationship with him, and, and what does it mean to be one of his children? We know God loves the world, but what does it mean to be a child of God? So we're going to look at three principles this morning. There's something magic about three. I don't know. One of these days I'm going to come up with four or two just to throw everybody off, but well, there's three principles. That's how my brain works. So we're in John chapter 1, verses uh, 6 through 13. If you, if you have a Bible, you can turn with me there. If you're watching with us online, there's a little icon down at the bottom. You can click the Bible. will open up right on your uh, computer screen if you want to follow along there. If you don't have a Bible, um, we've got some out in the lobby. Please uh, feel free to take one of those as our guest uh, this morning. A free gift on Christmas, a Bible. That sounds like a great gift, doesn't it? John chapter 1, beginning in verse 6. John writes this, there was a man that was sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And so we want to stop there for a moment because the first section, one through five, looked at what it means to be, understand that Jesus is the light. And then this next section of this passage understands John's witness to that light. And so it's kind of a hard stop. We get these first five verses talking about who Jesus is, and then we get to verse six, and it's almost like John just stops us and says, there was a man sent from God. And so his thought train changes. There's something different about what he wants us to know, and it all revolves around this idea of what it means to be a child of God. Beginning in uh, verse six, it says this, there was a man that was sent from God, and his name was John. Now, John is writing, and so the author of this book is John. He is the son of Zebedee. He's a Galilean uh, fisherman, and so there's a lot. There's Johns in the Bible. There's Marys, and so when I first started reading through the Bible, I was like, well, well, who's this John? John, and so it can get a little confusing, but John, the son of Zebedee, writes this. He's one of, uh, with James, one of the first disciples of Jesus, and he's writing about John the Baptist, somebody that's going to be coming. It's going to foretell the way of uh, the Lord, and so you've got John the Baptist, who is the son of Zechariah. I was a priest, uh, the son of uh, Elizabeth and uh, Zechariah. But, but John is writing that there's, there's a man that's sent from God whose name was John, and, and it says that he's going to come be, to be a witness. And so John the Baptist is coming to be a witness, and it's sent in fulfillment of Malachi 3, where God says, behold, I'm going to send a messenger, and he's going to prepare the way for me. And so there's somebody that's going to come before Jesus that's going to prepare the way of the Lord for him. And so John's coming, this, this being sent is in fulfillment of Old Testament Scripture. We see that in Malachi 3. We see that in Isaiah 40. And in, uh, in, chapter, in, in verse 3, where it talks about, I'm going to send somebody before me um, to... Um, to go before me to prepare the good news about who Christ is. 
And so all throughout the Old Testament, we see these passages coming to fulfillment. John was sent to be a witness. And a witness is somebody that is going to give eyewitness testimony of something that they've seen. And so I'm sending John, he's going to go before me, and he's going to tell other people about me. And so every one of us is called to be a witness. If we have a relationship with Christ, we have the power of the Holy Spirit in us to be witnesses in our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the very ends of the earth. And so a witness is somebody that is sharing the good news about what God's done in their lives. And so if you have a relationship with Christ, part of your faith story is just telling other people what Jesus has done in your life, if he's done anything. And so we're all called to be witnesses. But John specifically is coming to go before Jesus to prepare the way so that people could know, hey, it's coming. We've been under this Old Testament covenant where we've been doing sacrifices and there's these things we've been doing as a part of this Old Testament covenant we've been doing. There's a new covenant that we're gonna be a part of. And John is the messenger that comes to prepare the hearts and minds of people for this good news about who Christ is. He's a messenger and he's gonna come as a witness to bear witness about the light. Who we saw last week was clearly Jesus. And so John is coming to prepare people for the good news about Christ. He's going to be a witness, and he's going to be a witness about the light. That was our focus last week. We know that the Word in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning was God. And, and so this, he is the light, and he is the life. And so John is giving witness testimony to everything that's going to be happening as Jesus begins his ministry. And this light is really important because light is what exposes darkness. It exposes darkness in our life. And there's both spiritual and there's also a physical element to what it means to be in the light, isn't there? We talked last week about how nobody turns on the light switch to turn on the dark. I mean, the dark cannot overcome the light. And that's good news for those of us that are in Christ. We know that no matter what's going on in the world, God is sovereign and he is in control. And we can trust him because whatever's happening that's from the darkness cannot overcome or overpower who we are in Christ. There's a spiritual dynamic to what it means to understand that Jesus is in the light. He overcomes the darkness, but he also comes in physical ways as well. There's things that happen in our life where there's a physical element to who we are in Christ because Christ was also physical. You know, there's a passage in uh, in Daniel chapter 3. In fact, I'm going to share it with you really quick. In Daniel chapter 3, there's a story about the Nebuchadnezzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I don't know if you've heard that uh, story before, but Shadrach... Uh, Meshach and Abednego will not bow down to Nebuchadnezzar's idol. He's made this gold idol and he wants everybody to worship it. And these three refuse. And in in verse uh, 19 of chapter 3, it says, Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury. And the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he ordered a furnace to be heated seven times more than it was usually heated. I don't know how, when you think of something that's glowing hot, that's really red, maybe melting molten lava or something. I don't think about something that's glowing really hot. Well, he orders this furnace to be seven times hotter than it typically is. And then he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and and cast them into the burning furnace. These men bound them in their their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, their garments, and they threw them into the burning burning furnace. In verse 22, it says this, because the king's order was urgent and the furnace had overheated, the flames of the fire were so hot that it consumed and killed those men who took them up to throw them in. King Nebuchadnezzar in verse 24 says this, King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and he rose up in haste to declare to his counselors, did we not cast these three men bound into the fire? And they answered and said, yes. He said, well, I see four men in there unbound and they're walking around in the midst of this fire and they're not even hurt. 
And so Jesus is in this fire with them now. When, you, when No matter what you're going through, that fiery crucible of death, no matter what you're going through in life, God is with you. Psalm 23, even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God will be with you. God doesn't leave us, wait for us to come out on the other end. He's with us in and through our trials. And he's with them in this furnace. And Nebuchadnezzar sees him and he says, the appearance of the fourth one is like the son of God's. And so in the middle of this fiery furnace, hot as hot, bright as, all of a sudden he sees this light in the middle of the furnace. I mean, Jesus physically is shining up a hot, fiery furnace. And so there's a physical element of Jesus being the light as well. In the transfiguration at the, at the top of the mountain, Jesus, has, he's just bright. As you read through Acts chapter 9 and Paul's conversion in Acts chapter 9, the brightness of the light blinds Paul. It's, it's so bright. And then when we get to Revelation in chapter 22, we find that the light of Christ is so bright that there's not any need for the sun. I mean, Jesus physically, when he's in appearance, is bright and that light shines and the darkness can't overcome it. It's a physical reality and that same physical reality is true for us spiritually as well. I don't know what's going on in your life right now. I don't know what it is that's working against you, but knowing that Christ is sovereign and in control and will not have the darkness overcome him brings me comfort. That bring you comfort? And so God sent John that all might believe through him. And so there's a man sent from John. He came as a witness about the light with regard to who Christ is. And he's a witness so that all might believe through him. There's a purpose for why John's coming. Jesus is coming. We want to prepare you for this good news so that you might believe through him. And then John has to clarify, I'm not the light. I'm just the bearer of good news. I'm not the light. I came to bear witness about the light. And so John is trying to prepare the way of the Lord so that all might believe in him through them. And so that's what John writes in chapter 3 and verse 16. We know that for God so loved the world that what? That he gave his only one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but what? Have eternal life. And so John's theme, John's purpose in writing to us is so that we might know that, that Jesus is God and that he's got a plan for us. And then John the Baptist has a plan to be a witness so that all can believe in him through that message. And so they're all working together, moving together to point to the reality of who we are in Christ and who Jesus is. And so when we think about being a child of God, the first thing to understand is, is that our faith is in Christ alone. He is the one that is the object of our faith. He is the one that is sovereign. He is the one that is light. He is the one that is life. And our faith needs to be in him. He's trustworthy. We can trust him with every aspect of our life. And as a child of God, the first reality is, is that we need to know who Jesus is and understand that our faith is in him and in him alone. You know, a lot of people believe in God. A lot of people have heard of Jesus. You know, Satan's heard of Jesus. The demons have heard of Jesus. There's a lot of people that believe in Jesus. But we have to understand that it is not about anything good in us that God sees, but understanding that who we are in Christ, that is the motivation and the foundation of our faith. Who is Jesus? And then who is Jesus to me? And so we need to understand if we're going to be a child of God, that our faith needs to be in him and in him alone. And then John continues in verse 9. He says, this true light which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. In fact, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. 
He came to his own people, and his own people did not receive him. And so Jesus, as the light, is the true light, in a sense that there's other false lights out there, others that are claiming to be the light, claiming to be true, and they're false. Jesus is the true light. I want you to think for a moment about how many different religions that you can think of. How many religions can you think of? Or how many friends do you have, maybe coworkers that you have that believe something different than Christianity? You know, how many different religions are there? Think about how many things give us hope. You know, where do you find hope? Is it in your family? Is it in your kids? Is it in your job? Is it in our finances? Is it in our health? We get hope from those things, don't we? There's something about looking at those things where we find hope or what things give you pleasure. You know, what makes you feel good? What gives you that warm and fuzzy? You know, I love to sit by the Christmas tree and, and sit by the fireplace. You know, what things give us hope, give us comfort, give us peace? Think about how many different beliefs are out there. The true light, everything that is true, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world and in fact has come. Jesus is the true light. That light is found only in Christ. Everything else that gives us a sense of false hope, that gives us a sense of security about this life and the next life, everything else is a forgery. People let you down. Things let you down. I hope I never let anybody down, but I probably let people down. We let people down. We can't place our faith, our hope, our trust, our peace, our comfort from anything in this world. Everything that you see with your eyes is temporary. Our only lasting hope and peace is found in the true light, which gives light to everyone. Everyone can see the light. Everyone can see that. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet what? The world did not know him. Even though we've got this great truth, this great light that everybody sees, everybody's heard about, everybody knows, not everybody knows him. That's a reality. You know, there's not everybody knows him. And they should because the light's bright. When you turn the light on in the morning and the light comes on in your house and the light comes on, it's like, wow, that's, you know, you don't give a lot of thought to the light switch. But, you know, the hope that we have in this life comes from who we are in Christ. And, and, and the majority of people, at least in our area, have heard about Jesus. But there are parts of this world that have never had an opportunity to hear about Jesus. Nobody's ever heard about Jesus in some areas of Nepal, some areas of Asia, in some areas of China. And so that's one of the reasons why global missions is so important to us, because we want to take this message. Everybody in our area has heard about Jesus. I have never run into anybody, never run into anybody in my conversations in the 12 years that I've lived in this community. Have I ever talked to anyone that has never heard the name of Jesus? Everybody that I talk with has at least heard the name. And that's not true in other parts of the world, which is why our mission to the very ends of the earth is so important and why we get to be a part of that and why it's important to us. Now, in one sense, there's a biblical responsibility that everybody has. You know, Romans 1.20 says that all of creation testifies to the reality of a creator. And so there's some accountability. And it was, even though if you haven't heard Jesus, all of creation testifies to the, to the glory of God. Psalm 19 says that the heavens declare the glory of God. Isaiah 6, 3 says that the glory of God fills the earth. Romans 10, 14 says, how can we believe unless they tell them? But the reality is, is that we all know that there's a creator. And we all know, at least in this area, that who Jesus is. But yet they don't know him. There's a difference between hearing the name and having a relationship. And so we want to help people have a relationship with Christ. And there's a variety of reasons or excuses why the world has not heard or rejected or believed in Jesus. But 
but his own people? He came to his own people and his own people didn't even receive him. I mean, that's, that hurts, right? I mean, I, I mean, if you don't like me, I can live with it. But I walk home and my family doesn't like me. It's like, oh, that hurts. Jesus came to his own people and his own people did not even receive him. In spite of the fact that there's hundreds of prophecies that they should have believed. There was no reason for them not to believe. I don't understand how somebody can still be Jewish today. I mean, why are you waiting for? You're waiting for Messiah. I mean, how much evidence do you need? I mean, when you down through the Old Testament, there are hundreds and hundreds of prophecies about Jesus. The seed in Genesis 3. Genesis 3 has got several. Genesis 5. We've got the body, bodily ascension to heaven illustrated in Genesis 5, fulfilled in Mark. There's 15 on this screen. We've got another 15, Genesis 49, the timing of his coming, fulfilled in Luke. He shall be called Shiloh, or the one sent. He's the Messiah to come before Judah um, and, and John 11. I mean, you look down through, there's another 30. Here's 15, here's 15 more. There's 45 prophecies about Jesus just right here that all point to the reality of who he is. And so I don't understand how somebody can hold to these passages and then look at the New Testament and say, I don't know, he, that's not good enough. I'm waiting for something else. What are you waiting for? Jesus fulfills, in some cases, depending upon who you look, John Barton says that there's 574 verses in the Old Testament that are fulfilled in Christ. Man, I'll take five. What are the odds of fulfilling 574 passages in one man? Alfred Endersheim, 456. David Webb, 351. Conservative, you got questions. Got questions is a great resource. It identifies 300 verses where Jesus is fulfilled in the Old Testament. You know, what on earth are you waiting for? Even his own people did not receive him. And so I might cut you a little bit of slack if you've never heard of him before. It's my responsibility to make sure that people have heard about Jesus. And so the heavens declare the glory of God. And so in one sense, you're still not excused if you don't know, but your own people? You know, what is it? What is it going to take for the Holy Spirit to help us believe? What is it going to take for us to believe and, and place our faith in Christ? You know, for me, it was Acts chapter 11. So a guy named Cornelius, uh, he wasn't saved until he heard the good news about a relationship with Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 11, he, he talks to uh, Peter. Peter comes and tells him about his relationship with Christ. And then uh, in verse seven, in verse 13 of, of chapter 11, it says this. Peter's telling the story. Cornelius told us how he had seen an angel stand in the house and say to send to Joppa for a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He's going to declare to you a message about Jesus Christ, which will save you and your whole household. It's like, well, wait a second. You're not saved until you hear this message. What is this message about? And for a guy that grew up thinking, hey, going to church, I'm a good person. Hey, you need, I'll help you with some needs. You know, I'm a pretty good guy. I'm not saved until I hear about a relationship with Christ. That verse changed my thinking about what it means to have a relationship with Christ. I mean, I knew the name. But what's this relationship thing about? That's why scripture is so important. That's why preaching and teaching and, and that's why our not forsaking the gathering together is so important. God's word is life transform, transforming. What will it take for you to be able to fully trust that Jesus is the Christ? You know, what passage is it for you if you have a made a faith commitment? If you are a Christ follower, do you have a passage that's like, wow, I was reading that and I was, wow, that really changed me. Share that with someone. What passage changed your life? You know, what does your faith story look like? You know, what is God doing in and through your lives? You know, the reality is, is that in 2 Corinthians 
and 4.3, even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. There are some people that the veil's just covered. They're just not going to see. Sometimes it's a hard heart. There's a variety of reasons why people continue to reject. I don't know why somebody would reject who Christ is. I don't understand. I really don't. I look, at, I look at the Old Testament fulfillment and the New Testament. I look at the lives that are being transformed, not just in this congregation, but around the world. And I'm like, wow, God is at work. This is great. What is it about what God's doing that people continue to reject him? In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the true light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Jesus says, I and the Father are one. I am the true life. I have come into the world to save many, but not everyone receives that good news. That leads us to the second reality. Not everyone believes. When we talk about being a child of God, that is not something that everyone believes. I'm surprised by it. I think it's great news. I think everyone should want that. But children of God are people that understand who Jesus is and they're placed their faith in him and they're not relying on these other things. You know, what will it take for the Holy Spirit to work in and through us? I was with uh, our family last night. We found some uh, tickets. Everybody seen the movie, The Polar Express? Uh, we like The Polar Express. Our kids love that. My, my mother, before she went to be with the Lord, uh, was one of her favorite movies. And so we're at the Polar Express train ride. It was a train ride in Elgin. I don't know if you've ever been down 31. Um, there's a train museum down there. In fact, I don't know if I should tell everybody because then the tickets will be gone next year. But... It's really cool if you've got kids. So I took our grandson, but they get on the train and they take you up and they give you the hot chocolate thing. I mean, it's the whole thing. It's like being in the movie. Our kids loved it. It's relatively, it's inexpensive compared to some of the other ones I found. But it was funny because you know, I was thinking about my mom the whole time because she loves the end of the story, the Polar Express where the kid goes, I believe. And so we're all on this train. We're drinking our hot chocolate. And they really did a good job with it. I'm serious. It was really good. And so we got back to the depot and the train stops and everybody's clapping and everybody's going, I believe, I believe. You know, my heart, I'm just sitting there. <laughs> my, my, my spiritual gifts are in the area of uh, evangelism, apostleship, you know, leadership, those kind of things. And so in my heart, I, 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 want, I wanted to go, let me tell you what you really should believe in. <laughs> I just didn't think it would go very well on the train. <laughs> I didn't want to kill the moment because they're all talking, it's the spirit of Christmas, I believe. And everybody's walking out there and in my heart, I'm thinking, oh Lord, you know, bring somebody into these people's lives so that they can understand the true meaning of Christmas. You know, Lord, please put somebody in their lives that can, that can share with them the hope that we have in Christ with others. There are so many different things for us to believe in in this world. I believe too. I believe in Jesus is the light, that he has the power to save. And when he returns, he's going to come take me to be with him. That's something to believe in, right? You know, I believe to all who receive him, who believed in his name, he gives the right to become children of God, who are born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So this is the great news in the midst of this despair, this brokenness, but... To all who receive him and believe in his name, he gives the right to become children of God. We need to receive him. What does it mean to receive Christ? Well, there's a, there's a sense that the spirit of God is external. He's out here and, and we ask Christ to come into our life and we receive him. And, and typically it's, it's a prayer. It's somebody that's like, hey, I, I'm not sure how this works. Uh, this sounds good. Uh, what do I do? You know, you ask Christ to come into your life and, and you believe that he is God, that he died on the cross for your, for your sins and you, you believe it, and you make him your Lord and your Savior. And a Lord is somebody you place yourself under. And so the Lordship issue is a matter of the heart, isn't it? 
Think about how difficult it is for us to submit to local authorities. Think about how difficult it is for us to submit to authority in every area of our life, right? But especially in this area of lordship. Because when you read through this book, it, it's, it's for edification, it's for training us up so that we can be adequately equipped for the good work that God has in us. And so Jesus wants to be our Lord. And so there's some areas of my life that I don't have any problem giving him lordship over my life with. You know, I look back at my role as a husband or as a father. I look at some of the responsibilities. I, God, I'm going to give you control of that. I'm going to give you control of that. But oof, I'm going to hold on to this one. You know, control, being patient, you know, being a good listener. There's some areas in my life where I have to step back and I have to, I have to wait on the Lord. And so that's lordship in my life. Things don't move as fast as I want them to move sometimes. And so I need people around me that can encourage me, that can slow me down, that can help me to think through this. And so that's a lordship issue. And so we've all got areas of our lives that we need to submit to. And when we ask about how to have a relationship with Christ, that means that we're making him the Lord of our life, which means there might need to be some adjustments in my life. But those are okay. They're for my benefit. There's nothing in this book that is described to rob you of something that is good for you. I love my, my, my family. I like peas. I like salad. And so I, my, some people in my family, they don't like eating greens. When they come over to our house, hey, we're, we're getting greens. I don't want the greens. I want the macaroni and cheese. Well, that's fine, but we're sneaking some broccoli in there for you. There's some things that are just healthy for you. There's things that are good for you. There's nothing in this Bible that's designed to not help you to experience more of the good stuff that God has for you in your life. And so you need to receive him as your Lord and your Savior. And you need to believe in him in a sense that it, it, it's going to change the way I behave. You really know if somebody believes something by the way they behave, right? And so we need to receive him. We need to receive him and we believe in his name. You know, our, the third reality of being a child of God is, is that we need to receive Jesus Christ as Savior and we need to believe in his name. A child of God is someone who has received and believed and placed their faith in Christ. You know, Christmas brings out a variety of thoughts, brings out a variety of emotions, doesn't it? I don't know where you are. There's 12 more days till Christmas. After that, there's 364 more days. Lord willing, I get to see them all, right? It's appointed once for man to die. Every single one of us has a plan that's laid out for us. And so our responsibility is to come alongside of God and ask him, what is your will in my life? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're asking God, we're giving God permission for his will to be done in our lives. And that's what it means to live out the Christian faith. We're trusting that no matter what's going on in my life, that, that God has a, has a plan for it. And it is stressful sometimes, isn't it? We get to Christmas and we're trying to put the Christmas lights. My wife and I were sitting in the living room the other day. <laughs> Actually, it was yesterday. <laughs> well, the kids walked in and they were like looking around going, where's your Christmas decorations? <laughs> I was like, I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> They're in the basement under 10 pounds of stuff. I can't get to them. <laughs> I feel so bad. My neighbor, somebody drove by and said, is that your house? Without? And I was like, no, I am the only house on my block that have lights on. And it's not because I'm a Scrooge. Now I've got one gentleman down the street and... Uh, 
and they are of another religious persuasion, and so they they're not they're not doing Christmas lights. And so now I need I feel like now I need to I feel like I need to put Christmas lights on my house just so people don't think I'm a Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> so it's like I'm really it's, I'm really okay. I I just seriously don't have time. We have lights, we have cooking, and we're trying. The good news is, is everybody in the house is getting Christmas presents the other day, so we did figure out. Uh, thank you, Amazon. <laughs> you know, between the presents, the ripping, the sh- think about all the expectations that other people put on you for the holidays. I mean, think about that for a moment. It is overwhelming, isn't it? Why do we do that to ourselves? Can I just tell you this? God has no expectations for you. God has no expectations for you. It is by grace that we're saved, through faith, not by works, so that no one can boast. Not only does God not have any expectations for you, he wants you to know that this gift of his son is just that. It's a gift. There must be a string attached. There are no strings attached. It can't be that easy. It's that easy. Are you sure it's true? I am positive. As we move through Christmas season, I want you to know that God has no expectations for you. In fact, he wants to give you something. God wants us to be able to experience peace. He wants to give us peace. He wants to give us joy. He wants to give us hope. He wants to give us strength. He wants to give us life. He wants to, he's our comforter. God has so many good gifts to give us through who we are in Christ, that that is something to celebrate. Jesus is the light of the world. He is fully God. He came to save, and he came as a gift to us. All of these things have been written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ. All of these things have been written so that we may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Jesus came to give us life, to give it abundantly, to give it fully. And so if you have a relationship with Christ this morning, just knowing that God wants more for me gives me comfort. I don't know what you're experiencing this morning, but Jesus came so that we could have life and have it to the full. And if you do not have a relationship with Christ this morning, you're not clearing your mind about what that looks like. He came, and this was written, so that you might believe that he is who he claimed to be, and that he promises these things that he promises. God does, in fact, love everyone. And the fact that he's given us the gift of his son, but only those who have placed their faith in Christ, does he be be changed them to become children of God. There's a difference between knowing God and being a, a child of God. Our eternal security, this life that we have to the full, all revolves around who we are in Christ. And so this morning, you know, we looked at the three realities of being a child of God. It's faith in him alone, realizing that everybody believes and, and a child of God is somebody that, who, who has received him and has believed and placed their faith in his name. And so this morning, I want to ask you, do you have a relationship with Christ? Do you believe that he is who he claimed to be? Have you received him as your Lord and Savior? And do you have the assurance of not only spending eternity, but enjoying the benefits of having life to the full today? And so if you've got questions about that, if you're not sure, 
then we want to talk to you about that. We want to help you to take that step and cross that line of faith. There's a difference between having questions and wanting to know more and then crossing over that line of faith and resting secure in all that we have because of who we are in Christ. And so we want to make sure everybody has a relationship with Christ. We exist to reach our community for Christ. And so whether somebody's watching online or whether you're sharing your faith story with a friend or a neighbor or a coworker, we want everyone to have a relationship with Christ. That's why we exist. Well, you're just trying to convert everybody. I'm trying to give people the hope that I have in Christ. Call it conversion if you want. I mean, that seems to me more of a transaction view in my mind. But the bottom line is, is I'm hoping people make faith commitments and that their lives are changed and they get to experience everything that I'm experiencing, everything that we're experiencing in this body of Christ. We exist to reach our relationship, to, to reach our community for Christ. And I'm not going to apologize for it. We exist to tell people about Jesus. Now, we need to do it in a way that we're not the offense. And so we need to do it in love. But we exist to help people understand how to have a relationship with Christ. And so if you have questions about that, please let us know. We want to help people to experience the joy of being connected to the body of Christ. I talked to 15 families last week, and every single one of them talked about what a joy it was for them to be involved in a small group, how they pray for one another, how they encourage one another, how they learn together. I talked to people that are serving in ministry together. I love serving together. I love watching our worship team come in in the morning. There's something about who they are together that then we get to be led in worship. There's something about serving together and being connected to a biblical community that we get to experience the fullness of what this new life looks like. And so if we can help you get connected to someplace anywhere in Springbrook, well, we'll help you find a place to get connected. Don't go through this life alone. You know, every one of us has a spiritual gift where God's got something for every one of us. And so who we are together is powerful. And so we want to embrace God's purposes for us individually and collectively as the body of Christ. And we want to make others a priority. And so as we move through this Christmas season, man, it's a great time to be talking about Jesus. This is the time of the year where everybody can talk about Jesus and not feel ashamed about it. And so it's like, well, what do you believe about the baby in the manger? That's a great question. You ever heard about the baby in the manger? No, the baby in the manger. Well, you know, this is Christmas. That's what we're celebrating. Christmas and Easter. Great times to talk to people about Jesus. It's easy. Make others a priority as we move through this holiday. I'm praying that God will continue to do a mighty work in our congregation and our lives. I'm looking forward to what he has for us together this, this year. I'm praying that we finish well, and I am excited about next year as well. Would you pray with me? Father, I just want to thank you for this day you've given us today. And um, God, I thank you that uh, you, you sent your son into this fallen, broken, messed up world. Uh, God, all uh, for us. And so God, that is a gift uh, we're celebrating. Okay? And uh, we don't even have to get online to find it. I mean, it's just, it's right there. Nothing to shop for. And so God, thank you for uh, the gift of your son. I thank you for the work that you're doing in and through us. Thank you for your provision for our ministry. And I pray for my friends this morning that, that all of us would be able to experience more of what you have for us. God, we know that Jesus came to give us life and give us life to the full. And so I pray for a fullness of life. And to God, we commit this day to you. Uh, we look forward to, uh, to everything that you have for us. God, may this season be the time that we set apart for you and for your glory. And that we pray all these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Uh, amen. Amen. Well, we'd love to invite you one more time to stand as you are able as we respond together in song to the word that we have received from the Lord this morning.
promise of dawn now our eyes behold God most high in a manger lay lift your voices and now proclaim great and glorious love has come to us join us with the host of heaven
Amen. Praise the Lord. And now as you go from here this morning, just as the shepherds did, go and tell what you have seen today, what you have seen the Lord do in you and through you. Go in faith to love and serve the Lord. Have a blessed, blessed week in